1960, ITV executive Sidney Newman asked Brian Clemens to rework the Ian Hendry suspense show Police Surgeon into something called The Avengers. The programme lasted almost the entire decade of the 1960s and became integral in shaping the mod scene in England. Some of its stars, Honor Blackman, Diana Rigg and Patrick McNee, became icons of the spy movie culture that ran rampant through the middle part of that decade. These Avengers don't wear tights, they don't wield magic hammers or fancy shields, but the women are stunningly beautiful and squeezed into tight leather cat suits, so there is that. Join Thomas DJ, top professional, and Scott McGregor, talented amateur, as they journey through an England that didn't exist, but maybe should have, with umbrella, charm, and bowler. You know, that other Avengers podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the show that will not be rude and ill-mannered to you. <laughs> and there may be lots of wine. <laughs> um, with Umbrella, Charm, and Bowler, we took a little break during the holidays, and now we are back. Happy uh, New Year! Merry New and, Year! And uh, we should mention, by the way, that that last week when we were supposed to record this episode was the fir- was the anniversary of the first airing. Of hot snow. Oh yeah, no shit. Okay. So it's, yeah, so so we passed a major um milestone. Yeah, and we we've been at this pretty much a year now. I mean, this will be uh, episode twelve, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. yes, the eighth episode of the second season, uh, a very significant episode, and we'll go in, go into it. Um. As we go on, it was called The Death of a Great Dane. Which worried me right from from the get-go, because I don't like the thought of anything happening. Kill as many humans as you want, but yeah. don't touch the dog. Never touch um, the dog. Directed by Peter Hammond and uh, written by Roger Marshall, the first of a number of of scripts that he will write for the Avengers throughout this through the sixth season. And um, it was released in England. Let me see. I know it's, it, was, it wasn't released here until the 90s. But in the UK, it was first broadcast on November 17th, 1962. Like I said, this is the eighth episode of the sixth series. Now, Second. Scott, you asked... Second, oh, seri- second series, right? Second series, yes. yes. The second series, the first. Like, if we're, if we're in the sixth series by now, we, we I better be seeing Diana Rigg, but... No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> the second series is the, the first of, of your crush, uh, Kathy Gale. Yeah. And uh, two characters who did not catch on. One for very good reason, and one for... I, I'm still kind of... Not quite sure why she didn't catch on because she, she was kind of ginchy. But but the doctor came. F doctor came. No, not really. Um, so anyway, um, Death of a Great Dane opens up with a funeral for a Great Dane. Mm-hmm. At a pet cemetery. Which at, the, at, at the pet cemetery. <laughs> um which is attended by the manservant Gregory, played by Leslie French, and another dog who is 
what's it dancer is the one that, that that's dead yeah and Bo something i couldn't really catch his name the audio on this was really kind of well, fuzzy it basically gregory says that the that dancer died yeah and he was she was a good dog and now bellhound bellhound, bellhound that's it yeah. bellhound is the other is the other dog and um it turns out that bellhound's owner is a gentleman called litoff who is both a very very um wealthy man and also very involved in charities also very like a Howard Hughes kind of guy, yes, just very yes. reclusive and yeah, you know, literally no one's seen him for years, you know, only talks yeah. with people on the phone, etc. Mm-hmm. And it's also been established by uh Getz, his assistant, played by Frederick Jaeger, who is our Doctor Who connection for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um that he's been very sick lately and is frequently attended to by uh, Sir James, who is a doctor, uh, played by John Laurie. And the thing is, is that in the la- that last few weeks, he's cut off all his ties to his, the charities he used to endorse. Mm-hmm. And he's also been withdrawing a lot of his money, which seems very suspicious to Steed. So he decides he's going to investigate. I can see why you told me you, you would. I would like this one so much because you you know a little bit about my political leadings, and this yeah. is uh, this is basically Steed versus the one percent in a, in a way. It's <laughs> 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 taken on Wall Street and or the English equivalent, and, um, and big also, financiers, and yeah. He also suspects there's a connection between a a person who owned a joke shop who was found dead in a car accident with 50,000 pounds worth of diamonds. In his stomach. In his stomach, yes. yes. <laughs> which is why, when this is remade in season six, which we'll get to, of course, somewhere in, what, 2038 or something? Right. <laughs> um, it, it's retitled The 50,000 Pound Breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve tries to pretend to, pretends to blackmail um Lithoff with the diamonds while uh, Kathy investigates the joke shop and what they end up finding, you know, a lot of stuff happens what we find out is that it's not the dog that's dead right, right. there is a body in the grave but uh, it turns out that Lithoff died suddenly a couple of weeks ago and Getz, who has always been resentful that he was not acknowledged as the genius behind many of his power plays, has conspired with Sir James and Gregory, who, like I said, is the MVP of this episode. He is such a great character. (laughs) Uh, To keep Litoff alive long enough so they can liquidate all his findings, split the take, and then just go off and have a good life. Keep him alive and on paper because keep him alive on paper. He's just been dead since the first cemetery him. scene, right? Yeah. <laughs> However, when uh, Kathy Gale um, discovers that Dancer is still alive, because apparently they just sent him to the country. No, really, honest to God, that's what they did. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> this is not a, a euphemism. Um, they end up closing the trap on these three. Uh, it kind of there's kind of dissension in the ranks because Getz has already killed one man and George Miller. Yeah. Yes. And later on, kill kills his wife. Uh, and Sir James and Gregory don't like that. And they were able to use that to their advantage. Uh, there is one line, which I think supports your, your did steed, uh, tap that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now is not the time or place. <laughs> well, also like them pretty much writhing around together on the on on the furniture in one scene was was pretty <laughs> suggestive. You know, they, they were familiar with each other. Let's put it that yeah. way. Okay. Um, well, and Kathy was looking good this episode, except for that one really bad hair choice <laughs> early in the episode. I'm I'm not really sure what was going on there. I think she was going for some kind of uh, Asian look because the clothes mm-hmm. suggested that too, but. Girl just just wasn't working for you. No, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so it was kind of a corkscrew thing, you know. Yeah. With just it was a corkscrew oh, let's thing. Let's not get the wine tasting. The wine tasting scene was one of the best Avenger scenes I've seen yet. Yeah, it was hilarious. Um, Steed is definitely quite the connoisseur. It was basically yeah. you know a contest of who can <laughs> who can name this. The vintage, and uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty funny, and, and the preparation beforehand, making uh, Kathy drink milk, you know, so she won't get too yeah. wasted, but she she did anyway because she was swallowing mm. and not spitting. I won't go any further right. than that. Um, and yeah, and the George Miller murder was was kind of really central to the pot, plot in that it was kind of like the distraction plot, you know, it was it was kind of the main focus, but. Um, it kind of kept you away from thinking about, you know, the reveal. I, I thought it was going to boil down to like they were using these dogs as as diamond meals and actually putting <laughs> diamonds in their stomachs, and and yeah. so they they threw me for a loop there. You know, yeah. I started catching on when when it started, you know, going into the financial stuff, and it's like, oh, okay, obviously all these people around this mm-hmm. this rich guy are, are doing some shady dealings, so. But I, I really didn't see him being in the dog's dra- grave coming, so bravo yeah. to the show for that. Yeah. Um, and you get the imp- did you get the impression that Gregory and John and Steed were kind of friends? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're obviously, you know, kind of had that basic English gentleman camra- yeah. crum- camaraderie uh, going on, and, you know, and uh, they clearly all liked their wine, or at least... Uh, it was Gregory. Gregory was the one in the wine tasting, right? No, Gregory was the uh, was the manservant. Right. Okay. Sir John, but, uh, oh, Sir right. James right. Was the one at the yeah, wine they, where they they basically exchange their their bowlers and, and umbrellas in <laughs> one scene when they meet. Yep. Or <laughs> <laughs> admiring each other's bowlers, you know. Gregory was basically like, "Oh, is that a famous bowler creator creation?" And Steed's like, "You know, they're just talking yeah, trash." Um, I love this episode, <laughs> even though it is, as you said, it's very sloppy. I, I kind of noticed when I rewatched it this time off of the, um, uh, Amazon prime video that I bought that you're right. There seems to be a, a problem with the audio 
the uh, audio tends to drop out a it was, lot. It was mostly early on. It was just very yeah. muffled in, in the beginning, but it got better. So, and I said, my, my head is... I'm working under uh, duress of getting over a sickness here, audience. So I apologize. If I go into, like, a five-minute coughing fit, mm-hmm. um, understand. Well, actually, I'll just edit it out so you don't hear it. But... <laughs> It's possible, uh, and everything I'm hearing right now and tasting and smelling is kind mm-hmm. of like has styrofoam stuffed into uh, it. <laughs> a lot of people show up in later episodes, but not has the same characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frederick Yeager, who we uh, referred to earlier, has our Doctor Who connection. He, he was um, in the fa- I think it was the Face of Evil, or it, it's a it's a famous Tom Baker episode. It was basically Tom. The Doctor Who uh, science fiction take on Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Right. Okay. Uh, but he shows up again in Target, which is, I think, in the third season. The Cybernauts, which of course is one of the earliest episodes of the fourth season, the uh, Emma Peel episode, and Return of the Cybernauts. So he <laughs> he probably plays the same character in those last two ones. Right. John Laurie, who plays Gregory and is amazing. Shows up in Brief for Murder, which I think is the season opener of episode three. Of, of Sorry, season opener of season three. Uh, a funny thing happened. Oh, Gregory and, was Leslie French. John Laurie oh, was Sir Robert, James. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, John Laurie was Sir. Uh, Leslie French is in You Have Just Been Murdered, which is from season five, I want to say. Uh, this is all from uh, memory. And Laurie is in Funny Thing Happened. And Pandora, which is uh, a really weird episode of the last season, which we're not going to get to till we're even older and grayer. <laughs> um, I don't think I can get any grayer, but you can maybe. <laughs> but uh, this is, as I mentioned, it's the first of several episodes written by Roger Marshall. In fact, Marshall kind of claims that between him and Brian Clemens, they wrote half of season four. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, he's 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 not so proud of a lot of his work on this show. There is an excellent uh, on the Avengers Forever website. Uh, there is an essay that Marshall wrote for them about his time. And apparently he and Clemens were at odds as to what the show should be. Clemens wanting to go to a more fanciful, stylized thing, and he wanting it to be more ground. And uh, by the time season six rolled around, he actually asked to be let out of his contract. Hmm. Um, in fact, the funny thing is, he didn't want to do this show in the first place. Um, because they thought that this was a sinking ship. Yeah. Huh. This is just before it took off because people were just discovering Kathy Gale. Yeah. And they were like, well, this is, this isn't going to last. And in fact, he insisted on bringing in his friend, um, his friend, Jeremy Scott to co-write the script because he figured if he was only responsible for half of the script for a bad show, He'd only be responsible for half the credit. But um, I found the writing of the dialogue was great in this and the plot. I mean, I, I, it's a, actually a pretty grounded. I think the brilliance of this one was that it was 
it's basically just a basic, simple murder mystery type thing. Mm -hmm. But the writing around it and how they frame everything and all these big players, you know, and Steed being in it, you you know, you expect, you don't really expect Steed to, or at least, you know, the later Steed that we know and the one that's, you know, doing, you know, clandestine missions that deal with Eastern Europe and shit. Um, you don't really expect him just to be like solving a simple murder at this point, maybe. And then all this financial stuff going on, it's almost like you're thinking he's, you know, at first you're kind of led to believe that, you know, maybe it's like an international diamond smuggling ring and, you know, something like that going on. And then all these big Wall Street guys, you think maybe it's just kind of an Illuminati type, you know, deal where they're just, you know, he's trying to take down, you know, these big financiers. And it's essentially just a bunch of people that murdered their boss and, and got money for it. <laughs> I think that his motivation is the fact that Lidoff is supposedly such a big player. Yeah. Well, yeah. Financially. And it's like, I think he even mentions to Kathy in one scene that. It's probably would be disastrous if he just disappeared. Yeah, uh, it was definitely disastrous to all the charities, which is what he was using to get on her. It's like, see, charities, see, you, you want to help the charities, don't you? But but at we least there's also- one guy there. I think it was maybe uh, was it Sir James? Was it um, one of them? Was actually you know was going to take the money and start some clinics and yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Sir James. Yeah. And, and so there was some some altruism mm-hmm. that was going to take place after the horrible murder. But whereas Gregory just wants to apparently be rude to people, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is what I love. It's like, oh no, I'm here to be rude and ill-mannered to people, and to be surrounded by lots of really beautiful women. Mm-hmm. You know, goals, life goals. Right. I also like the fact, and they, they basically he basically says it outright, but you get the sense very early on that. He's the smartest guy in the room, mm-hmm. but everyone overlooks him because he's a working class stiff. Yeah, well, because, yeah. He, he essentially says that at the end, doesn't he? Isn't he the one that's like, "I'm smarter than all these guys put together"? But yeah, you know, uh, you know it's not book smart; it's it's just raw IQ and. Yeah. It's a nice little discussion with uh, the, the villains of a very long discussion with. Mr. Steed and, and thankfully yeah. point out their whole plot to him and, and the audience at the end when they're sure they've got him in their clutches and mm-hmm. of course Kathy swoops in and saves the day again mm. <laughs> of course as usual the statement is because she's wearing she's wearing that, that her black uh, suit that kind of like weird leather like Dinner jacket and and trousers, yeah, yeah, as opposed to the full, as opposed to the jumpsuit, the cat suit, and but when the leather comes on, I, I really like the cleavage suit early on in the episode. <laughs> oh, you would, um, yeah, of course I would, um, but yeah, that that was that was working pretty good too. She had the lion's share of like the good fights again and stuff too, and mm. you know. It, it, very easily kicked the ass of several oh, assailants. The one guy tries to <laughs> tries to strangle her, and I'm yeah, like, oh, it's just like, yeah, it's like two moves, and he's on the ground, and yeah, he didn't I'm even like, break oh, a you sweat. Poor guy, you yeah. think you're going to overpower this frail female? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I mean, I I think this is one of the better episodes of the season so far. It's it's just it's real even though it has that muddy sound quality. Yeah. And I guess 
Brian Clemens thought the same thing because that was this was one of the three that he chose to remake. It was traumatizing though because I was in just abject fear through the whole episode for the life of that beautiful Great Dane. You know, you know yeah. who's Great Dane that was, by the way. No, it was it was at uh, Harrison or Steeds. <laughs> Harrison. No, yes, it was Patrick McNeese. Yeah, where I got Patrick Harrison. McNeese, yes. So Patrick McNeese loved dogs, apparently. Now is uh, Freckles his too? From uh, I don't know if he owned Freckles. Because I don't know, was, was Freckles a Great Dane? Because he made it some reference when meeting the dog. He's like, oh, I used to have one. And I'm like, oh, my God, what happened to Freckles? Because wasn't no, Freckles... No, I think Freckles... Freckles looks more like a, like a great... Not a greyhound. Um, well, Dalmatian, but... Yeah, Dalmatian, yeah. Yeah, but it almost and, looks like a Dane-Dalmatian mix or something, because... I don't know. There is, Freckles is replaced by another Dalmatian dog, but I don't think it was because it, it just... That, that the, the dog died or anything. Right. I think it was just, I don't know. Maybe when we get to that point, maybe we'll find out. Um, so, what else can we say about this episode? Besides, <laughs> There's some good stuff on our list uh, for a change. Yeah. Um, we do, I don't know, we had... Kinkiness Patrick factor, Mc- except that that first like conversation with Steed and Kathy was was pretty friendly. Oh yeah, you know what else I, I we learned? What? Yet again, Kathy has yet another useful skill. skill. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's like every every week, it's like which which skill are we getting? She's like a role playing game character. It's great because I'm a big yes. gamer. So it's just like yeah, somebody just is like clicked up a couple in her, her skill points every episode. She's you know got her experience and got a, a new level. She's leveled up and, and now she's yeah. going to throw some points into archaeology where she needs it and wine tasting where she needs it and you know all that. So. Although it's nice that, that, that in the wine tasting scene, Steve got to show that he has his areas of expertise too. Oh yeah, he was then, you know I, I, I dare say maybe there was some real wine being drunk on yeah. that set because <laughs> those two actors are really enjoying the hell out of that scene. <laughs> Made me want to drink. Yes, um, I, I was pretty sure that one of the wine tastes, the guys in the background who are complaining about the candle wax taste and having women yeah. uh, come into there, was in um, the th- Theater of Blood. But no, no, I can't find it in either of their uh, CVs. Okay, yeah, because there, there was Although, a... um, Eric Elliott, who is one of the two of them. Right. Roger uh, we're going to see him again in The Frighteners. Well, we already saw him in The Frighteners, right. what am I saying? And also, he, he's another Doctor Who uh, connection, because he is in um, some of the 1966 episodes as commander that's a really descriptive name but but the but like i said the big one is jager and jager plays a pretty played a pretty good villain the way he's just very you know kind of bristly mm-hmm. you know it's like oh you know the way black male works mr steed yeah yeah that was beautiful it's like yeah you're, the, you're supposed to the guy you're blackmailing is actually you know, supposed to be guilty of a crime, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you should take this to to the top dog, but 
<laughs> I mean, Steed already knew the top dog wasn't around anymore. So, yeah. or, well, it was Mr. It was George Miller at that point. That's where they found the. Uh, mm-hmm. So they found the diamonds. So, Leslie French, I just noticed, was uh, was a, a James Bond connection too. He was actually yeah. in the, the Living Daylights. I did not mm-hmm. know that. With one of my two favorite Bonds. Well, you see, that's my favorite Bond. Yeah. <laughs> Timothy Dalton is my favorite Bond, and I think one of the reasons is, um, before he took the job, Dalton apparently read through the entire book series. Fleming. Oh, nice. Yeah. Higher Fleming canon, so that he was basically playing Bond as Fleming intended him to be portrayed. Imagine that an actor actually researching a literary right as opposed plan, yeah. as opposed to the grump we got now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it may, you know, Scott. If I you, tell you, I don't know if you've seen Knives Out though, but I want to see a Daniel Craig as a Southern Hercule Poirot <laughs> spinoff series. Because um, he was pretty good in that. Yeah, I haven't seen Knives Out. <laughs> He's basically a Southern fried Hercule Poirot. It's great. Oh, no, I've seen in the theater recently is Cats. Oh God, you put yourself I, through that. <laughs> I went. I I feel like I deserve a button, like one of those little like. Right. I saw Cats. And I'd survive the experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, it, it's it's. Um, you can actually go on to my Patreon. It's free for everybody. I, I made it free for everyone. And I, I basically took my recorder into the theater and mm-hmm. reacted in vitro. <laughs> oh, cool. So, so you can actually hear me getting more and more frustrated with the film. I just, I saw the, I mean, I'm a fan of the original musical. I would <laughs> see it and everything, but I, I just, I saw those trailers and I'm just like, if I had to sit through two hours of this, I think blood would start pouring out of my ears. I don't know. What are they doing here? <laughs> you know what it is, Scott? You said you, you've seen the original musical, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the basis of that, that's, that's a dance-based musical. Right, you really just that never screamed, we can do a movie about this in the yeah. first place. But I don't care where it's it... really there. They would have been do- better doing it back then. Mm-hmm. With just people in freaking cat costumes like well, the musical was than this the CGI problem. atrocity. Yeah. <laughs> the problem with the film throughout is that because Tom Hooper ch- chose the middle ground, he did not choose to either go fully animated yeah. or just have like cat costumes. Right. But have like but basically reskin everybody. Uh-huh. There's this weird uncanny valley. Uh, effect that that I felt throughout the whole film where I knew that the dancers were dancing, but it didn't look like the dancers were dancing. If that makes any sense. I own better looking video games from like 2001. Oh, some of them are awful. (laughs) And oh my God. Some of the morphing is horrifying. (laughs) Jennifer Hudson, they kind of squeeze her face down. Yeah, she she is t- not as terrifying as when um, Idris Elba cat. Yeah, that looked pretty bad. Idris, Idris once Idris Elba cat ditches his coat and his uh, slouch hat. Uh huh. Nightmare fuel. I'm sure. Nightmare. <laughs> well, I've never really had the desire to see him as a cat, so I, neither did I. It's pretty but, much uh, nightmare fuel right from the gate. And, and I, was, I was really sad for Rebel Wilson, who I'm like. Rebel Wilson, yes, she's a woman of size. We get that. But she's also a very talented actress and comedian. Mm-hmm. 
and she's basically playing fall down and go boom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. And you want to talk about nightmare fuel. There is a scene. I've heard uh, Dame Judy Dench has a winner in it too. Oh, I want to see. I want to see the footage of <laughs> Dame Judy Dench in the mocap suit. Right. Because <laughs> the thing is, is that because she's playing a fluffy, she's playing Deuteronomy. She's playing a fluffy yeah. cat. There seems to be a, a makeup piece around her neck of like a, a fur. Uh huh. So I keep while I was watching her, I kept imagining her in the mocap suit against the green background with this like neck beard of fur. I want to see that footage, <laughs> <laughs> but um, at one point, and this is a plot point in the film. At one point, Rebel Wilson unzips her fur to reveal a bright fuchsia dancing outfit. Okay. And uh, it's horrifying. <sighs> so, like, you're you're removing your skin. <laughs> it's, and the thing is, though, I would still recommend people see it. It's one of the... Well, you know, I, I, I'm... A lover of bad movies for the sake of right. bad movies. But uh, you know, there are bad movies that are just inept, and then there are just there are bad movies that are just bizarre. And this is a bad movie that's just bizarre. And <laughs> I sat there going, "What is this for?" Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I mean, a thing. Just, and Ian McKellen kind of knew. I mean, what I knew uh, when I watched the, the Human Centipede for the first time. I knew yeah. it would be something like that, but I just had to watch it because of its just inherent weirdness in the world. So, as but horrible as it was, somehow you've gotten far afield of the Avengers again. Yes, in one of the better Avengers episodes, and now we're talking about one of the worst movies probably ever made. Uh, uh, it's polar opposites. Mark my words, though. Mark my words. In about five years, we're going to start getting think pieces. Was cats all that bad? (laughs) Why not? I guarantee you. I guarantee you. But if you guys want to hear a a fuller explanation of that, go to patreon.com slash DJ's Domicile of Dread and look for Come to the Movies Episode Zero. That is free for all. There we go. I had to share it with everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> share my pain. Yeah. <laughs> and if you liked what you hear, uh, Chris Honeywell has already picked it up, uh, picked up that pilot as a, uh, a series. So whenever I go to the movies, I'm going to sneak in my easy voice recorder and uh, you'll come to the movies with me. And uh, that's something he's always wanted to do. Whenever we go to movies together, he's always like, damn, I should have just brought my recorder in. Well, like, so he's, he's finally tasked someone else with doing was, it. I was one of three people in that theater. Mm-hmm. And there were literally, I think there was there was me, and there was like a family up, up in the balcony. Nobody else. So I could be a bit louder than I really, but still, it's like you could hear I'm like trying to be quiet. <laughs> while I'm making these comments. But anyway, um, so yes, I I definitely would recommend you see Death of a Great Dane. It is a historically important episode. And there are no weird CGI cats in it anywhere. No weird CGI cats or dogs. (laughs) No. Oh my God. The the, the funniest line, I I think unintentionally funniest line in the film is after all this photorol, Deuteronomy has her song and Mm -hmm. Judy Ketch looks directly into the camera with her fluffy cat 
stuff and goes, a cat is not a dog. And I just started howling. <laughs> I just started howling. But, um, Us former dog owners and now cat owners know that all too well. Yes, yes. But uh, definitely recommend it. And um, uh, back to our list. We I never see. got to our list, really. But okay, yeah. Let's, let's thinking this faster. Not necessarily champagne, but a shit ton of drinking in this one. There, yes, everybody's drinking pretty much all uh, the time. Lots of wine that is each bottle of which is identified. Yeah, <laughs> uh, some good Kathy fights to be sure. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, Steed gets his little judo chop stuff in at the end, you know, disarming someone. Um, uh, not a lot of kinkiness in this episode. No, no, just more affirmation that, that yeah. uh, Steed and, and Kathy are, have had familiar relations before, in my <laughs> mind, in my head canon, lucky yeah. bastard. Um, <laughs> strangeness, I love, love that I almost wish we'd gotten to see more of the George Miller jokester guy. Yeah. And the joke shop, because there was some nice creepy, there was a nice creepy ventriloquism scene. I, uh, I think we're going to see more of that when we when we get to the remake. Mm-hmm. Nice. So you had the uh, the standard, you know, flag comes out of the gun gag. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the tense music and, and a gun pointing at Steed, and of course, it's it's just the prop gun, right? Um, um, I, also, I think extra points if we're going to talk about eccentrics, extra point for Gregory. Yeah, yeah. I am definitely Team Gregory in this. Sixty <laughs> uh, like, concerns. I don't know. Uh, I, I almost feel that the, that that Steve felt sad. He had to send him to jail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was getting along famously with you know, despite yeah. his obvious disdain for like you know the the uber rich people. You know, and <laughs> I'm sure Steve has his share of cashola, and he likes yeah, the finer things Steve in life, has but. Stopped. And yeah. he has class, and yeah. I think that's what Gregory responded to he, so much. He sees these guys as, as dishonest players, even if some of what they're doing is technically legal. Yeah, I mean, Getz is not true. You know, Sir John is kind of a obl- Sir James is kind of oblivious. Yeah, and Getz is a bit of a jerk. Yeah. So, Sir, Sir James is the the one. He was the one that was going to start the clinic. So he was yes, the one that yes. supposedly didn't really care that much more about money. You know, was going to give it back to other people. But but then again, it's still an accessory to murder. So yeah. w- w- what can you do there um, uh, on the moral ladder? Uh, <laughs> medical subplots. There was a murder in a hospital. So that's yes, always fun. Was. So yeah, I guess that counts. Yeah, and I, I, I guess Probably we never will count more than the entirety of next episode, right? Uh, yeah, oh. right. Despite having a doctor as the main character, so, yeah. Oh, we're dre- sorry, folks. I'm dreading it because next next month it's luckily this is the last we'll see of Doctor King. Yeah. The second of the two Dr. King episodes, which were basically they were so medically involved that they couldn't change Dr. Keel to Kathy Gale. I still say they should have could have just upgraded Kathy's skill set again and had at it. <laughs> well, we're still there, there is an episode um, that is coming up, I think, in season three where we learn she's she's conversant in ophthalmology. OK, <laughs> so. So that would not be out of question. As I checked, that's like a medical doctor. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, so uh, we will be 
saying goodbye to the wooden doctor king with the sellout which is our next episode in february um so not much else has been going on in the, the avengers world except although i should point out for, since we've been talking about big finish a lot mm-hmm. uh they just released this month uh, their first box set for Adam Adamant Lives, which is another series from this time period. It was basically the BBC's response to the Avengers. Okay. And it was about an Edwardian adventurer named Adam Adamant who wakes up in 1960s London. Yeah, you were telling me this. So basically yes. kind of a reverse uh, Connecticut Yankee yeah, and King Arthur's uh, exactly. Court type of thing. So um, that's available now, and it's on my to listen to list. But um, yeah, so uh, where else can they find you, Scott? Uh, I'm kind of, uh, I need to compose some kind of a uh, little statement about it for the Freaks pages, but I'm kind of effectively retired. I think for a bit other than our show right. I'm, I'm just going to like kind of keep doing this I've got some friends and family with some medical stuff going on in their lives right. and just other stuff and okay. just trying to focus on the fan lately and unfortunately I'm not going to it's not going to leave me much creative time to to edit I just can't get in the spirit but I, I still am definitely loving this I'm getting away from like some of my other nerd properties I'm, I'm taking a break from them so i can't really podcast about them will you so. still do you still be doing uh f- five minute freaks with uh chris i i don't know i barely see him anymore because i've stopped oh, taking him okay. to work and well, that's I, right. he's on he's on extend he's on <laughs> vacation yeah yeah due to vehicle restaurant interactions yeah um <laughs> so um and hopefully, I mean, we'll hopefully be starting up Garage Show Gloat again once the springtime hits. Yeah. Although, stays. quite frankly, how yeah. could you tell that the springtime hasn't hit yet? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, we were at like 62 degrees in upstate New York last week. That was. I, I mean, I, this morning I woke up and I checked. I always check on my tablet on Alexa what the weather is. And they said, oh, it's 45 degrees and it's going to be 51. And I'm like, it's January. Yeah, uh, it's crawling back. Carrying snow. We're, we're supposed to crawl back to winter this weekend when I yeah. have to travel, of course. So, you know. Um, so, uh, what is coming up? Well, um, on the Honeywell experiment uh, in February first, the the, the 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 New Year's episode dropped, of course, mm-hmm. where we talked about the absolutely sublime Dark Town Strutters. Which is a fun movie, which is good because in February we're taking on Thriller, A Cruel Picture, which is anything but a fun picture. But it's really good. Um, and what else is going on? Um, well, like I said, hopefully I'm going to get to the movie. I'm going to try to get to the movies once a month, mm. which might not be possible. But, yeah, there will be, uh, starting on Two True Freaks, you will get come to the movies on a fairly regular basis. Sweet. So I did um, remember something I was doing. I'm, I'm going to try to focus on being guests on other people's shows. I love that because I don't have to edit. But I, I did uh, the first part of the uh, 
the Crisis on Infinite Earths CW thing with uh, uh-huh. Mike Zumo on his thing, uh, Man of Screen podcast. So mm-hmm. I encourage you to give that a listen. If you're a, a DC I mean, and Superman fan. Guys, the Two True Freaks Network, there is so much going on there. Uh, there are, if you're if you're a Power Rangers fan, we've got a Power Rangers podcast going on, which is doing what we're doing for the Avengers for the Power Rangers on an episode by episode basis. Um, I mean, here I am going to mispronounce it again. Jagai and Jedi, Jedi um, is now starting to is going to take a look at the Mandalorian season one. Nice, it was a good show. I know you're not a Star Wars guy, but you would right. appreciate that show just for its uh, its cinematic pedigree because it's just uh, basically letting these the directors play in, you know, um, classic Western, classic, uh, well, you know, Kurosawa movies and, and just transferring it over to Star Wars universe. Well, so. as you know, I am I am boycotting Disney at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And which is really frustrating. Eventually, they're going to own all your food too, man. What are you going to do? What are you going <laughs> to do? Start to death. Yeah, <laughs> but it's very frustrating because, of course, next month we get something that I've wanted for about ten years, which is a Black Widow solo movie. Yeah, and not only that, they put the Taskmaster in it. Right, and and I'm like, that's one of my favorite. That's another one yeah. of my favorite characters. So I'm like. You know, eight, 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 eight bucks isn't going to matter one way or another to the to the mouse's eventual yeah, domination I, of the I, universe, I, brother. I'm just it's saying. It's a matter of principle. <laughs> That's why I haven't seen um, Ready or Not yet. Yeah. Ready or Not, which is it was a horror film that came out in September, starring one of my one of my present major super crushes, Samara Weaving. Okay. Uh, that got a lot got uniformly great reviews. Uh, however, it was the first film to be released by 20th Century Fox under the Disney uh, banner. Mm-hmm. So I can't watch it, no matter how much I love me my Samara Weaving. And what's more, you probably like it too because it's Samara Weaving versus the One Percenters. Okay, I hadn't even re- I haven't re- heard about that one okay. at all. I'm, I'm not up on my horror films, I guess. As Samara much as- Weaving marries. Uh, someone who is part of a big game-making dynasty. And the tradition is whenever somebody marries into the, 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 uh, the family, Mm -hmm. they choose a game at random from like, there's like a deck of cards and it has different names, different games. And they all play that game at midnight. Oh, okay. I'm reading the synopsis now. Holy crap. That's yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's a most dangerous game to get in the one percent. I guess, yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. So, but I look at it more like Samara Weaving versus the one percent, right? Yeah. And apparently, see, this is why I don't understand the why everybody got up in arms about the hunt. Do you remember? Do you know what the hunt is? A movie? No, I don't believe no, okay. it. There was a movie that was scheduled to come out at the end of August. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. And the idea was it was most dangerous game. Yeah. Only it was... Because uh, uh, I was looking forward to that because Betty Gilpin was yeah. in that. Yeah. It was Red State, 
uh, you know, red staters, Trumpers yeah. being hunted by far left liberals. Yeah. And because they didn't want to give us any ideas that <laughs> we didn't yeah, it's already like an, have. An incitement to violence. But then, as our good esteemed friend Chris Tyler has pointed out, generally in most dangerous game scenarios, the people doing the hunting are the bad guys. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, you should love this then, because it's basically going to be Trumpers getting back at, at far left liberals. Right. But no, they thought it was an incitement to violence and suppressed the had the movie suppressed. No, it was liberals hunting the Trumpers, right? Yes, yes, right. exactly. Which right. means, which means, and I guess, look. Shouldn't use either of those terms on a Two True Freaks podcast. I know. But. <laughs> but the thing is, Scott, no, Scott it is on on the red side of things and but he knows and i'm i'm you know he and i are dear friends yeah. and he knows that i am on the blue side of things but we respect each other yeah, and here too, yeah. conversations with each other and not let our personal politics get in the way well that aside it's kind together. of a classic movie trope that's you know yeah. kind of deconstructed and would have been kind of interesting to watch you know right exactly um, the thing is I'm I'm never in 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 favor of suppressing art for yeah. somebody's fucking snowflake feelings on either side. Yeah, but you the know. thing that I just, I just find funny is that nobody got upset when the Purge movie started. Right, it, it's still nobody going. Got, especially when the Purge movies got more and more political. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody got upset when Ready or Not came out. But they got upset about this. Yeah. And it's like... Maybe scared is more. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, 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 but then that's neither here nor there. This has nothing to do well, with the, yeah, the, the outrage. Like this is always is always selective. It's it's always always like one gets yeah one thing gets taken down. And everyone's like, okay, well we dealt with that, mm-hmm. and then all the other ones get away with it. You know, it's always yeah. selective like that, and it's, it's BS. It's just. Just let people make shit. If you don't want to go see it, right. don't go see it. Well, okay, here's, here's my theory. My feeling is always that a piece of art is objective. The piece of art itself is objective. It may have been made with subjective purposes. Right. But once it is out in the aether to be consumed by other people, it is an objective item. And is open to the interpretation of the audience, which is why you have things such as, oh, uh, the Brian De Palma Scarface, which Brian De Palma meant to be a tragedy. But everybody, but a a large portion of the American public looks at it as an aspirational thing. Right. And and a lot of gangsters use it as an operations manual. (laughs) Or um, (laughs) a fight club. Yeah. Where Fight Club is about mental, about someone who is seriously mentally ill, but a whole bunch of bro dogs have embraced it as this anarchist, a, you know, yeah. fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah a, a call uh, to arms of masculinity. Yeah, um, I think that um, the most recent Joker film, and fuck you, Todd Phillips. Yeah, I don't uh, get it. I don't get the love for it. I really don't. Uh, no, no. What I don't get is how how they 
overlooked a lot of great directors this year, but gave Todd Phillips a yeah. best director nomination. Yeah, well, um, whatever. But the thing is, <laughs> he's not. So we all know that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, basically what that film is is Martin Scorsese fan fiction. Yeah, yeah totally. And, <laughs> but the thing is, and it has a really irresponsible view of mental illness. I really and, oh, and I agree with you, man. I agree. That's yeah, the biggest thing. Know, I'm mentally ill, and I, I've, in the last couple of years, have taken mental illness representation in in modern culture as something of a of an issue that yeah, I'm, I'm very close to. Can't help but take it personally when you're in it. it, it they, they're basically handwaving, like, "Oh, isn't it a shame he was mentally ill?" And I'm like, "No, it, it's," but. Uh, but apparently, it's a, you know the, the Academy Award thinks it's a, thinks it's one of the best pictures. Of well, the I mean, year it's the kind of thing that they just kind of beat you. It's you know, it's yeah. the Joker. Yeah, of course yeah. he's mentally ill. That's the whole point of his mm-hmm. his character. <laughs> so you know, and and some of us do get violent. The thing is, is they don't say anything about the nature of his illness. They just say, "Oh, well, he's ill." Right? Yeah. No, it's very sloppily. I mean, it's very exactly. problematic. You know, what, what That's right, guys, come at me. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, somebody attacked me on Twitter. Uh, was it Tuesday? Yesterday, when uh, they announced it, and I said. The Joker doesn't deserve to get any Oscar nominations. And he's like, well, it's a good film. I said, well, if you were mental, if you were suffered from severe mental illness, you would probably think differently. He said, I think you would think better of it. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> no, it's not helpful. Not, so, no, it's not. Again, that. you know, I'm not going to say Joker never should have been made because oh, no, of these no, reasons, no. but I mean. Don't get me wrong. But no, but I, I mean, that's, say- that's the nature of the business, too, and the nature of art yeah. is that people get to talk about it and discuss it, why they like it or don't. So Yeah. Here's yeah. here's the no, Don't get me wrong. I, no, I, you know, I did not calling for the hunt to have been uh, suppressed. I did not. I'm not calling for Joker to be suppressed. I do. It, it's valid. But I don't think it deserves to be amongst considered amongst the best movies of the year. Uh, I would not, I, I don't object to jo- Joachim Phoenix getting a nomination for best actor, but yeah. pretty much everything else that they nominated that film for, I have an issue with, but um, I don't think the Irishman should have gotten as much as it did either, you know, but <laughs> it's more, yeah, they they finally boiled it. Let's let's like really put this on the table. There is okay. no quantifiable metric in the universe that can tell you which movie is quote unquote the best movie right. of the year. It's, there's well, no there's... way to absolutely objectively state that in any way. Well, Every movie is subjective. Every you know experience it, is subjective. I always find it interesting that because I actually looked at Scorsese's career. Yeah. And it's like every 10 years he does something gangster related. Well, right. This was so just. So he can be left alone for the next 10 years and do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, which is great for him because he puts out some really good stuff in the interim. Exactly. But, uh, but, but you'll notice that, that, that the stuff in the interim. But if you're just going to pump out Casino or Goodfellas the Hoffa yeah. years, it's really not going to impress me that much. Exactly. Yeah, it's nothing exactly. new but from you. You'll notice <laughs> that he's never really recognized. 
for the films that aren't gangster related. Right, and there's some of the his better ones, man. Mm-hmm. I, so, just showed, but, I just showed my girlfriend The Departed for the, which is kind of gangster, is very gangster, but yeah. um, it's different, and it's actually based on a different property, right? Um, than his usual, you know, <laughs> mafia home movie stuff. Right. Um, so, mean, <laughs> as much as, and I think Casino, it, not Casino. Um, Goodfellas is a is a top is a top fifteen movie, yeah, of all time. Yeah, but I still say that his greatest film was the one that he was snubbed for, which was Raging Bull. Raging Bull right. is oh, such yeah. an emotional journey. Yeah, but anyway, but the thing is, Todd Phillips wasn't even was basically doing fanfic of Martin's of two Martin Scorsese films, and obviously didn't understand them. Yeah. Because the thing about Taxi Driver is you can kind of see how Travis Bickle can interface with the with the real world on some level. Right. So you could kind of buy that Sybil Shepherd would go, agree to go out on a date with him. Right. Yeah. Whereas Joaquin Phoenix is just, you know, Fleck is the character's name, if I remember correctly. Arthur, is, yeah, Arthur Fleck. Yeah. Arthur Fleck is just bonkers. The, the, I would have liked that movie, well, maybe at all or a lot better. Mm-hmm. I thought the absolute worst. Come at me to uh, cheapscapproductions at gmail dot com yeah. if you want to send some complaints. Um, <laughs> uh, the worst decision in that movie at all narratively was his his whatever malady it was that made him laugh uncontrollably at bad moments. Well, I it mean, was like the stupidest plot device I've ever seen in my life. To be honest with you, it is actually a condi- There is actually a condition. I'll bet there is, but it yeah, just no, th- that, that, but put it is, on the Joker is just stupid. It yeah. it, it actually it diluted whatever <laughs> other message Gosh, about his mental illness. The, see, I, I, I wish I could remember <laughs> the name of the of the um, of the specific illness, but it, it's basically. Um, the person has uncontrollable crying and laughing. Things. Right, right. But that, that's uh, not the Joker. The Joker laughs like that because he's fucking batshit crazy. Right. The Joker is and laughing. I'm, at I'm his sorry own to use that term. I'm mm-hmm. mentally ill too, so you know we we can criticize yeah. our own that way. Um, but yeah, just that was the worst thing for me in the whole movie for some reason. I don't it's know why. just I I. They use it as as a means to use to move the plot forward. Right, and, and right. not not as an examination of the melody. So, and the thing, the other thing that kind of annoys me is I think a lot of people are praising this film because it's a comic book movie. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know. I just it's so like, anyway. This is now a five minute freak about the Joker. So there you go. <laughs> I'm Thomas. sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. Derek Ferguson will, will be getting on my case for for wandering away and talking about cats and then talking about the Joker and the, the Oscars and all this. Self-fulfilling prophecy. You asked me about five-minute freaks and I dragged you <laughs> into one. <laughs> so anyway, guys, uh, come back next month for... We'll just pull the Band-Aid off. Yeah, you get all the bonus material this month because next month's episode sucks. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> It's going to be a painful episode. This is your pre-consolation prize. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, let me see what... I just want to take a look 
in my episode guide that I have here to see what comes after Sellout. Death on the Rocks, which uh, is another Kathy Gale episode. So it's got it's got to be better, guys. Cool, cool. And, and, and we, also, get, we get several Kathy in a row after that. I mean, it's yeah. We yeah. get a bunch of Kathy because then it, the only it's just Kathy and, and Venus. Wait, what's this? Dead Dead on Course says Doctor King. Oh so God, we, we might have two Doctor Kings. Yeah. Wait, uh, you sure the sellout's a Doctor King one? No, sellout refers oh, to Doctor yeah, King. Yeah, and yeah. then and then the uh, Dead I on there Course. Two, but apparently there are three, so we're not well, done with with something to look forward to with the great block of wood <laughs> so um, I, the thing that still bugs the crap out of me about Dr. King is that smug smile of his well more just like I'm an actor but this is the only expression I have type yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep. laughs> oh, right. well, there you go. so folks um, once again give them the, the email if they want to comment CheapScottProductions at gmail.com. And we do have a Facebook page at with Umbrella Charm and Bowler. Uh, if there's any Avengers news, I usually try to post it there. And uh, so there are ways to reach out to us. And until next time, my friends, try not to be rude to each other. And, and be nice to your doggies. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.